From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Because what it really does is it fundamentally aligns incentives such that we're all kind of focused toward providing the highest quality of care, while at the same time providing flexibility and incentives for innovation, all while trying to do it in a cost-efficient manner. That's Dr. Alex Ding, Associate Vice President for Physician Strategy and Medical Affairs at Humana, talking about the benefits of value-based care. We'll hear more from Dr. Ding in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events, the Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference 2023 will be held March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Attendees will gain insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. The latest value-based care report from Humana outlines many interesting findings and highlights how some physician practices found creative paths to success. You can check it out now at humana.com slash VBC. Humana is working closely with physician practices on their value-based journeys. So get your report now at humana.com slash VBC. Our guest today is Dr. Alex Dean, Associate Vice President for Physician Strategy and Medical Affairs at Humana. Dr. Dean is a board-certified diagnostic and interventional radiologist and remains a practicing physician, teaching and providing clinical care as a clinical assistant professor at the University of Louisville. He holds a BA in economics and MS in Public Health from the University of California, Berkeley. Also an MBA in Finance from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And an MD from the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Ding has completed his residency and fellowship at the Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School and is a U.S. Navy veteran. Dr. Ding, thanks so much for joining us today. It is absolutely my pleasure, Daniel. We very much appreciate our longstanding partnership with the MGMA. And I just want to applaud you for your great work with this podcast and the MGMA's other initiatives to keep our medical professionals informed and engaged. Oh, thank you so much. I'm blushing. I don't think our audience can (laughs) see me, but my face is turning red. Thank you so much. Good way Um, to start off this podcast. Hey, flatter (laughs) the host and uh, it's it's all gravy from there. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of items for our audience here. Now, you are currently the Associate Vice President of Physician Strategy and Medical Affairs at Humana. Um, Just in that context, give our audience an idea of what that actually means on a day-to-day basis. What are you working on? Where's your focus? Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, at a high level, my team is focused on physician and provider advocacy, engagement, and strategy. And our main focus right now is to listen to our docs and providers and to really improve the relationship that Humana has with what we consider a critical stakeholder. So we're listening intently to our healthcare professionals, both our strong network of physicians and provider organizations, but also our own growing group of employed physicians that work all across the company. So we are taking what we learned from that and what we're seeing in hospitals and clinics and practices all throughout the country to do whatever we can to try and position Humana as the preferred payer of choice, one that really truly understands the clinicians that are serving our members and their patients. And so as we're listening closely to physicians and medical teams, we're also obviously paying attention to trends among patients like, for example, how we're seeing and hearing that there are more Americans moving toward Medicare Advantage over Medicare. Um, and as our new chief medical officer, Dr. Kate Goodrich and I have taken on this new role, you know, a clear passion has really emerged to really focus on what our physicians are experiencing. Know, what is happening across the healthcare landscape and really what we can do to help and try and provide some support. So we care about kind of the humanizing aspects of what the day-to-day -day experience is like for our physicians, for our clinic and hospital administrators. And so it's no surprise that our chief medical officer and I remain practicing physicians. And so we're able to really stay close to the patient and to our peers in the community of physicians and clinicians so that we can understand their experience and practice and the challenges and barriers that we often face. And so, you know, not surprisingly, as we listen and make improvements, there are themes within what we hear so far from physicians that has really excited us about the strides that Humana has made, growing the number of providers practicing in value-based care arrangements, for example, has seen some great progress. You know, within that, we're finding it's so important to be working together. You know, one, to promote preventative care. Two, to do all that we can to enable better health outcomes for patients. Three, to create a better experience for not only patients, but also for our providers. And then four, to really drive up that value of care for patients and to drive financial stability for our providers. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. Um... I knew you had a lot on your plate, and so <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the ways uh, that you're listening to um, the healthcare community out there, engaging with them, is through these annual value-based care reports that Humana works on. Um, I've been familiar with that report for several years now. For our listeners who may not have seen it yet or, or read some of the data from that, Give us an idea. What is this research? What is the intent behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So this is our ninth year wow. releasing this report. And the industry as a whole and the provider community has really come a long way in that nearly a decade of us putting out this report, um, in which we've been really trying to do what we can from our end to advance value-based care. And so in our work on value-based care initiatives, we've designed a continuum of value-based care with growing levels of risk with associated greater levels of reward that is designed to meet and support primary care physicians where they are. So the goal is not for us to force providers into these types of contracts, but rather to highlight the win-wins that can come from these types of arrangements to 
show them the potential benefits that can have to their practices and their patients, and then to work to help equip them with the tools, the data, the resources they might need to assist them in developing a more holistic approach to care. Now, we certainly understand that moving from a fee-for-service world to a value-based care setting takes a lot of work. It takes investment, takes know-how, takes practice, takes infrastructure. And we want to be able to provide guidance and support to help providers move to where they want to be on that continuum. So, you know, really in short, the intent is to arm today's providers with this information, to help them press ahead with intention and wisdom so that they recognize the benefits of practicing and value-based care. You know, particularly the wins that practices and health systems can see, but also the improvements in experience and outcomes for their patients. And it also happens to be a win for us as a pair because what it really does is it fundamentally aligns incentives such that we're all kind of focused toward providing the highest quality of care while at the same time providing flexibility and incentives for innovation, all while trying to do it in a cost-efficient manner. And so this year's report has data that we collected back in 2021, and it reflects the outcomes and experiences of over 74,000 primary care physicians who have value-based care relationships with us at Humana. And so those affiliations include more than 1,100 contracts in 45 states and territories. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> you mentioned on a couple of occasions there that um, this is the ninth annual value-based care report. So when you get into the ninth iteration of a study like this, is there anything that surprised you in this one? Anything that stood out to you that you want to share with the audience? Maybe some trend that's taking place. Anything else, any data out there you'd want to share with us? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. I would say at this point, there aren't a bunch of huge surprises that we found, but you know, there were plenty of interesting findings as there always are. But I think more so it reinforces what we are we've already known about the value of value-based care and really provides further evidence of those benefits. So, you know, focusing maybe a little bit on the pandemic, um, I think given the pandemic, it shows that even amidst the continued challenges of what we've seen during the pandemic, but also kind of recent economic related factors, because of increased financial stability and value-based practices, physicians in these sorts of practices are able to more effectively connect with their patients, often through innovative approaches to maintaining that critical access to care. So these efforts in 2021 contributed to higher levels of preventative care, better outcomes, and lower costs to the healthcare system. Um, and so the annual report, which can be accessed on our website, humana.com slash VBC, really details how Humana supports healthcare providers in using a more holistic approach to helping our Medicare Advantage members manage numerous physical, medical, behavioral, and social challenges. Okay. You had mentioned the website address, and I just wanted to let our listeners know we will provide that link for you because there's a lot more information in there than we'll be able to cover here today. There is a lot of great information that you can see what your peers are thinking and see how that resonates with you as well. So, Dr. Ding, you had mentioned that there are some key areas. I'm just going to go over those again. It's prevention, 
outcomes and utilization, patient physician experience, and cost and payments. So let's address each of those. Let's go with prevention first. Um, just in making an observation that's not new to anyone, patient volume was down quite a bit um, during the pandemic, particularly initially. That can be alarming with people because they're not going into the doctor. They're not seeing uh, what's going on in their bodies, their minds uh, uh, regularly. And so things can emerge that go undetected. So where are we now with that? Talk about that, uh, you know, how value-based care practices can help manage that, help better connect their uh, practices with the patient population. Yeah, absolutely. You know, value-based care helped physician practices remain stable financially, even when patient volumes dropped. And I think just as you mentioned, this is this was particularly important during the height of the pandemic. You know, that only not only means less disruption to normal clinical operations, but also means that there's some capital to reinvest back into the practice into innovative care models. So just as one example that I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with, telemedicine, telehealth is one aspect that we looked at. And you'll see in the report that close to 10% of all Humana Medicare Advantage members affiliated with value-based care physicians had a telehealth visit this past year. And what that is compared to less than 8% of those who had a non-value-based care physician. And so of all the telehealth visits amongst our Humana Medicare Advantage members in 2021, roughly two-thirds of those were visits by members with value-based care physicians, well into the majority. And so even though telehealth activity has peaked, you know, the positive effects from its pandemic-driven expansion these past two years, I think, are still being seen by physicians and practices. And I would say, in the face of community shutdowns, physicians have told us a number of things. They said that telehealth capabilities allowed patients to be assessed and diagnosed quicker, uh, which led to earlier interventions and treatments. And our report gives a few examples of how physicians worked through all of this and kept early intervention at the forefront of their of their decisions. You know, one featured quote involved allowing test results to be reviewed virtually. And another talked about offering weekend clinics when more caregivers would be available. And I would say that, you know, on the topic of prevention, it is notable that all preventative screenings and adherence measures were better amongst value-based care physicians as compared to those in non-value-based care arrangements. So preventative screenings for colorectal cancer and breast cancer, but also post-discharge, medication reconciliation, osteoporosis detection and management, diabetic eye exams were between 6 and 10% higher for members whose physicians were in value-based care arrangements versus physicians that were not. So, you know, value-based care practices really overcame the broader healthcare challenges by getting creative in the way they structured their appointments, what was in person, what was virtual, when they were available. And they, they really were able to stay focused on personalization and proactive care, just as one example. And I think that is because value-based payments really allow for that flexibility in care model innovation and stability in payment to allow for investment in care infrastructure and population health management efforts. Okay. You already kind of <laughs> led into this next question. We want to talk about those outcomes. Um, I want to read a, a quote that I read from the uh, research there. It said, increased interactions 
with patients, helped value-based primary care physicians reduce avoidable hospitalizations. You were already getting into that. So if you want to get into go into a little more detail, because just so we can understand what's being done differently in the processes there uh, in the value-based care models versus those that aren't in the value-based care uh, system there. Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, no matter how sick or well you've been as, as a patient, if your physician and your doctor's office is really making an effort to stay connected with you, to stay in touch with you, to really feel like they know you well enough to follow up with customized reminders about testing or screenings or care that you need, you know, it kind of makes sense that you'd be more responsive as a patient as well. And I think in a fundamental way, value-based care really does do that. It incentivizes your doctor to keep you healthy rather than to only treat you when you become ill. And so, you know, when practices have information that value-based care providers have, you know, I think it's easier for them to stay on top of patient communication, invitations, and follow-through. And so, you know, in response, you get patients with better responsiveness. And so, yes, we found that, you know, these increased interactions between physicians and patients help with important factors like reducing hospitalization. So clearly, a strong doctor-patient relationship has a therapeutic benefit. You know, you ask what value-based care physicians are doing differently, and the report shows it really comes down to one, access to care, and two, consistent interactions. So our data shows that some 86% of Humana Medicare Advantage individual members affiliated with value-based care physicians visited their PCP at least once in 2021, and that is up 9% compared with members um, going to non-value-based care physicians. We also saw that PCPs and value-based care saw their patients more frequently than their non-value-based care counterparts. And so I think this really matters when you look down the line at the results. So for example, value-based care members spent less time in the hospital, over 250,000 fewer days collectively in 2021 than non-value-based care members. You know, measured against physicians in our non-value-based care arrangements, those in value-based care arrangements saw their patients admitted to the hospital 6% less and visit an emergency, an emergency department almost 10% less. And so on a national scale, Humana value-based care members were admitted to the hospital 25% less compared to patients that were in original Medicare. I think some of the other things that are added benefits include mail-order pharmacy and behavioral health access that have made big positive impacts as well. And I, I would just say, overall, you know, we are really excited about these improvements and really thankful and grateful to our value-based care physicians for, for leading the way. And I would just add that as a practicing physician myself, I really do feel the difference and enjoy talking with my peers who express how great it is to have time to talk to and understand their patients better because they have the opportunity to see fewer patients per day. And so when there is that established, trusted patient-physician relationship, we as physicians can really enjoy our day more and our patients tend to be healthier, not requiring as much acute or inpatient care. And so I would say, you know, that is really a win-win that we're not only hearing anecdotes and stories about, but seeing in this data as well. Well, you're already hitting on my next question, which is, I, re I really wanted to address um, 
some measurable results. You're already touching on some already, but uh, a couple in particular I'm interested in are the patient and physician satisfaction scores. So what do they look like in the value-based arrangements versus non-value-based arrangements? Yeah, and I'm, I'm really thankful for all that the MGMA does to keep meaningful data at the forefront for all of us. And in particular, I, I really appreciate this question, especially on the physician and the practitioner satisfaction side, because I do think that the burnout epidemic has major impacts on our workforce capacity, and it's, it's really a major issue. So this report shows some really interesting detail about patient satisfaction that does echo that win-win for value-based care providers that I was describing. So our 2021 survey shows that members rated value-based care physicians about 25% higher than non-value-based care physicians in each of the eight categories that we track. I think that patients really appreciate the level of care coordination and the overall care that they receive in these sorts of settings. We generally know that satisfied patients tend to translate into satisfied physicians as well. Um, but I think we're just not quite there yet with regard to the data. And so I think the strong patient experience numbers are certainly worth celebrating, even though there is this increasing concern of physician burnout really stemming from fatigue induced by the pandemic, staffing shortages, hectic workloads that really have practices across the country working to not only improve patient care, but simultaneously physician and clinician wellness as well. And in fact, I know this is something you're you're familiar with. According to an October 2021 MGMA poll, a third of medical practices had physicians either retire early or leave due to burnout. In addition, you know, we did a joint study, Humana and MGMA, in 2022 that showed that almost two-thirds of physicians report currently experiencing burnout, you know, feeling overwhelmed or emotionally drained. And you know, I do often hear about how strong care teams allow everyone to work on the tasks that their training demands, which should improve professional satisfaction. And it is something that value-based care enables. But we do believe that the more these changes drive up patient satisfaction and allow physicians time to do what they train so diligently to do, physician satisfaction would follow that upswing. But I think that current data is still not there just yet. And so this is something that I'm particularly concerned about. And while we do hear those anecdotes of physicians being more satisfied practicing in value-based care, because they do get more time with their patients, they aren't running as fast on that proverbial hamster wheel. We don't have all the data there is to really know how value-based care practice really does affect professional satisfaction. In fact, you know, this is something we are looking to lean much more heavily into with regard to data and evidence and finding the underlying drivers of potential satisfaction um, in value-based care arrangements. So I really want to thank you for helping us to continue to push in this area. All right. Well, <laughs> um, you have painted a, a very strong picture of prevention being better, outcomes being better, satisfaction scores going up, but <laughs> the MGMA audience, they're always looking at that bottom line. So what are the financial strengths of value-based care? What can you tell us about that? 
And you're absolutely right. You know, all those things you mentioned are important, but the bottom line is also very important. And so a cost uh, analysis done in 2021 showed that physicians and members in Humana's um, Medicare Advantage value-based care arrangements saved an estimated $6 billion, Whoa. which is over 20% in medical costs uh, compared with members had they been enrolled in original Medicare. And so- you said billion, uh, right? I didn't miss billion, it. Billion with a B, absolutely. Oh boy, I'm it's glad a, I'm sitting a, down here. <laughs> it's a big number. Um, and then, you know, Humana MA members that were attributed to value-based care physicians incurred over $191 million less in total medical costs than would have been the case had they received care in non-value-based care sorts of settings. And so, you know, higher frequencies of preventative care lower usage of acute care services really drive some of those. And so, you know, with those savings, we at Humana look to reinvest them to benefit members in the form of added health plan benefits like home care or prescription delivery, healthy food carts, along with lower premiums. So those additional benefits average roughly $500 annually per member that's associated with a value-based care physician. I would say that value-based physicians benefit too from the quality of care that they provide. Around half received a shared savings payment from Humana in 2021. They also received more of the overall healthcare dollar, which includes you know, medical claims, capitation, bonus, surplus payments, earning more than twice the healthcare dollar compared with non-value-based care physicians. And I think further illustrating the business case or the financial potential for our value-based care providers Physicians in Humana's value-based care arrangements earn on average three times more than the Medicare fee schedule. And physicians in the most advanced stages of our value-based care um, continuum really earn on average five times more than Medicare's fee schedule. So absolutely, these financial strengths really do make a compelling business case for physicians and practices to switch from fee-for-service to value-based care arrangements. Okay. Final question then, I've, you have really laid this out for our listeners, but what are some final words and some advice you'd like to provide our listeners that can help them better understand this important role that value-based care plays in the success of a medical practice and the better outcomes for a patient? Thanks. You know, I would encourage everyone to go out and look at the report on their own. You know, see for yourself the differences that are highlighted there. Again, it's humana.com slash VBC. And I will say that, you know, certainly we can't possibly predict whatever public health or health system challenge we might encounter next. And, you know, we certainly learned from the recent pandemic that surprises can always strike. But I think we've also learned how rolling with those punches and staying focused on preventative and strong primary care for our, patient, for our patients can really triumph. And I think especially layered in with the flexibilities, the innovation, the financial stability associated with value-based care. We've seen these successes in value-based care across the country and anticipate continued growth in these relationships as we work together to make new investments in capabilities and technology that strengthens primary care and all aspects of our patient's health. I think the other aspect that the value-based care report lands on that I do want to just mention is addressing um, social determinants of health and addressing the lack of any meaningful social risk adjustment in patients that may exacerbate inequities. And I think 
by adopting methods that account for all factors, including social risk, risk factors that are influencing a patient's risk, we can really aim to help create a more equitable healthcare payment system to better serve all of our patients, particularly those that have been the most underserved and are the most vulnerable. Oh. You know, we know that we know that no one person or team alone can really achieve the sustainable changes that are needed to improve the health of a population. But at Humana, we genuinely look to partner alongside you and practices to really make this important progress. And so I'll just say that, you know, one of the major challenges in this complex healthcare system of ours is misaligned or cross-aligned incentives between different stakeholders. And value-based care realigns all of these incentives in the same direction, such that payers, providers, members, patients are all rowing in the same direction, focused on keeping healthy, preventing disease, mitigating risk, in addition to treating illness and disease. And our report, I think, is just another data point in the body of literature that supports this transition to value-based care. And we at Humana stand at the ready to help support your practices in this transition in baby steps, just as you are ready to do so. All right. Well, Dr. Alex Ding, thank you so much for joining us on the MGMA podcast. Thanks for sharing these insights on value-based care. Again, to everyone, we will have uh, that direct link uh, in our episode show notes. So you can look there, click right to it. So Dr. Ding, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. My team loves to talk about value-based care and to hear from practicing physicians and provider groups. So please don't hesitate to send people our way. We'd love to hear these stories. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Alex Dean, Associate Vice President for Physician Strategy and Medical Affairs at Humana. We'd also like to thank MGMA Events and Humana for sponsoring this week's show. The Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference 2023 is our premier spring event. It will be held March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. The latest value-based care report from Humana outlines many interesting findings and highlights how some physician practices found creative paths to success. You can check it out now at humana.com slash VBC. And remember that Humana is working closely with physician practices on their value-based journeys. So get your report now at humana.com slash VBC. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.